Hello and welcome to Grid Talk, your weekly RC racing podcast with your host myself, Russell Lee, and of course, and as always, the fantastic Chris Bowden. How you doing, Chris? Uh, oh, not too bad, buddy. Uh, yeah, good week. Sweet. Not too bad. Sweet. Before we get into it, mate, let me say a massive thank you to the sponsors. So, thank you to CMR Distribution and, of course, Schumacher Racing, the companies that keep us in every week and keep us in prizes at Christmas, which is coming up pretty, pretty soon. So, we'll look forward to the big raffle at Christmas. And I'm going to say Christmas once more, just for fun. Christmas. So, Chris, the big one. Our man, the ever supportive Keith Robertson. Oh yeah, I'm sure. Uh, I'm sure we're up for some abuse tonight, mate. He's, he's looking forward to speaking to you. Yeah, I thought he would be. See him as latest team be. driver and all that, you know. I thought he would be looking forward to yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's pretty pleased that you, you know, you've been on the team for what for six months now, and you've sent in two setup sheets. That's a lot more than we got for a lot of um, no offence faster a, people. So, and a race report. And a race report. You know, yeah. you are just the perfect, perfect example of how to be a team driver. Not only do you take, you give a bit back. And I like that about you, Chris. I really do. <laughs> so, thanks, mate. All right, so, well, anyway, so, so we go and get um, Keith on so he can be horrible to you. No, I've been nice to you. Yeah, let's <laughs> do that, because you're going to have to be extra nice now, because I'm sure there's a, a t- barrel of abuse rolling towards <laughs> me. Here we go. Let's go looking for the ever-supportive Keith Robertson. And with a bit of editing, Keith should be there now. How are you doing, Keith? Good evening, gents. How are you doing? Oh, very well, mate. Very well. Better for speaking to you tonight. Thanks for calling I'm on, sure Keith. It is. Let me give you a quick, a quick introduction. So this is Keith Robertson of um, CMR Distribution UK. He is a five-time national champion at RC Car Racing. Um, and he once came third at Euros, but we'll talk about that a little bit later on. So, um, Keith, I know I see you every day at, week, uh, at work, uh, and it's nice of it for you to talk to me without actually seeing my face. So, thanks for coming on. Um, so, what we'd like to do with all of our guests, we're not going to change it for you. We'd like to do like a kind of like a "this is your life" kind of thing because I know you don't listen to these shows because you're far too important for us. So, give us a brief intro, of, uh, an introduction to how you got started in racing. Because you, you, oh. your dad used to run a club, didn't he, back in the in, in the day? He did, but he didn't take that over until until I've been there a while, and uh, basically they'd run out of people to run it. So it was like him and a couple of others had to take it over or it was uh or it wasn't going to happen yeah uh, i started in 1986 so i wasn't very old um and i saw a display there was a display being held um the science museum in london yeah they have they have sort of rotate their displays and the stuff that isn't on display they're actually stored in hangars on an old airfield near swindon where i used to live um and every year they used to do an open day so uh, stuff that wasn't on display, they just opened the hangars and you could go along and have a look at all the science museum stuff. It was really cool. They'd do helicopter rides, you know, trips around on old buses and stuff. Um, so it was like going to the science museum, but you didn't have to go to London to do it. Yeah. Um, and the Swindon Club had a race meeting there. And I just saw them and that was it. I was just hooked straight away. Um, yeah, just saw them and spent half the day there. And mum can have a car. Mum can have one of those. Dad, I want one of those, please. And... Uh, my parents accepted I was interested, which was great. They've never never discouraged me in any way. They always encouraged me for everything. And um, got in contact with the club a week later. And lo and behold, the club chairman had a car for sale. What what <laughs> what, what class was that? Was it on-road or off-road? Uh, sorry, it was it was off-road. Tenth buggies. Yeah. 
that wasn't really on road back in those days. There was only nitro, like eight I C really yeah. on road and twelfth. Um, so this was just a bit of bit of grass, uh, a bunch of hot shots and stuff running around. Maybe some Optimas, things like that. Um, 1986, uh, and I ended up with a Tamiya Wild one for Christmas that year, a used one. Yeah, but uh, it, but it got me on the ladder. Okay, so and then you just started racing at the Swindon Club every week from then on. Uh, well, it wasn't every week. Uh, it was it was harder back in those days. It was every fortnight. Yeah. Um, and for a young kid to go and race every fortnight, and if the weather was bad, you didn't get to race. You could easily go a month without actually. Racing. I remember, you, yeah, I, remember, um, I remember you telling me once you had to sweep this. You used to have to sweep the snow off the track on a, on a Sunday. Yeah. <laughs> People who know me wouldn't believe it, um, as I don't don't race in the wet anymore. But uh, yeah, yeah, I've been turned up at the track after it snowed. You'd have three or four inches of snow on the track, so basically you you, you shovel off. Uh, but it was a permanent track in those days, so it was just a sort of grass patch. But they had little grass mounds to mark out the track, so you know where the track was. So you sort of shoveled off two or three lanes, left the rest of the snow there, and then went racing. Brilliant, man. So, 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 what was your first car? Tell me a wild one. Tell me a wild one, yeah. And what, and what was that like as a race car? Absolutely rubbish. Um, but was everyone else's rubbish as well, though? No, no. I mean, there was. It was nineteen eighty six. There were varying degrees of rubbish. Um, yeah. <laughs> it, 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 it was more of a. It's more of a beach buggy style thing, uh, based on a sort of almost like a jeep style thing. Because they used to do a. a um, a military version of it as well, called the fast attack vehicle. Oh, I remember. Um, that, yeah. So it, it was, it was, it was okay for what it was. Um, if anything, I think it was probably slightly better than something like a Fox or a Hornet because it didn't have the fixed rear axle. Um, that that uh, you know where the whole gearbox moves up and down. Yeah. Uh, which t- tends to make them hop and bounce around. Uh, it had independent trailing rear suspension, um, but it was just quite heavy. But it made it easy to drive, so it was good to learn with. Bearing in mind, this is 1,200 or maybe 1,400 batteries with a 540 silver can motor. Yeah, before things got crazy. So how long did you stick with that for? Did you did you campaign that for a while? A whole six months. Yeah. Oh, and then yeah. I just, then it, then birthday, and it's time to push on for something else, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so I what, ended was up, the, what was the, like, the, the fast car at that time? What was the one uh, that everybody well, wanted? It was just about the time where four-wheel drive was just about becoming competitive. Because previously there were some four-wheel drivers out, some AYKs. There were numerous people who know this timescale better than me. But there was, you know, AYKs and Tamiya were just sort of getting into it. But the efficiency wasn't there. Just about getting the efficiency come 86 with the Tamiya Supershot and the Kyosho Optima. Um, So four-wheel drive was just about taking over. On, on um, four drive was just about taking over on two wheel drive on performance wise. Whereas previously it was more a duration issue, and the two wheel drives kind of had the upper, upper hand. Yeah, I suppose because they wouldn't have had the materials to make to get the the drive train nice and free, would they? Back then, yeah, it was a battery capacity no, no, was a major yeah. issue, Chris. Really major and issue. Half the cars came with bushes. You even got plastic bushes in all the Tamiya kits. It was like you still do. Kits were like 80, 90 pounds, and you'd have to a major hop up. That your first thing you bought was a 25 quid on a ball race kit, which is crazy now when you think about it. Yeah, you think how cheap bearings are now and everything. So, that's a that's a luxury that people have now. Every all the RTRs, um, I'm aware of have got you know they're fully kitted out with bearings. It's mental to think in this day and age. I mean, I just about remember 
think when I started, two fours had just come in. Right. Um, I mean, bearing in mind you're talking about 1986 and cars and things coming about in that era. That was the year I was born. So. <laughs> yeah, I was only one year old, honest. Yeah. So like, I, I've never really had the. Oh, I've dumped. It wasn't until you sort of started going and running mod motors in your two-wheel drive buggy, you know, your 12 doubles and stuff, and you're running them that you were dumping on the two fours and the one eights. But, yeah, I've never known it. And in this day and age where you've got unlimited power and near enough unlimited runtime. I would probably say at the, comp- at the com- competition level, um, it's, it's only not dumping has only really been a problem, not an issue since brushless came in and then lipo followed so quickly afterwards that it was like a double hit and then it's like wow this is great yeah um even in the even in the mid noughties um you could easily still dump at the competitive level yeah because that because just the gearing and how hot they were running stuff with the time yeah just running quick motors try and go as quick as you can (coughs) obviously top guys had the better equipment the worst thing about it was chris as well when you dumped if you had if you had good batteries and they dumped they didn't just get slower they just ran and ran and ran and you might have like half a lap's notice and then you just stop you know yeah it wasn't like you just got slower and slower and slower to a crawl but that's when they dumped it literally the car just stopped dead <laughs> yeah the better the batteries were the longer they go before they went flat but when they went flat they dropped real quick yeah because you didn't really a lot of them batteries weren't matched in those days you just had they were just six cells stuck together yeah. So, how long was it before? I mean, you started in nineteen eighty six. How long was it before you started to realise you were, you you were going to be quite good at this this game? Because you went off. Did you start doing the radio race cars first before you started doing the nationals? Yeah, did the radio race cars started those in the early nineties. Um, so I'd only been going what five six years when I started doing those. But you, you did club meetings, and it's just I was just enjoying it. Just been in the whole situation of going to a club meeting, you know, um, different cars to look at and uh, stuff like that. It was just um, a man from heaven, really, back in those days, like, like it is for a lot of people who still still do it now. Um, but the competition thing sort of came along, I guess. I, I enjoyed, I was compet- more competitive earlier on. I had a competitive streak. So when I realised I was doing well, I, I did it because I enjoyed it. Yeah. I then started getting better results and I thought oh I can go and do some different meetings and compete against different people and then it just sort of snowballs and you end up travelling around the country making a whole load of friends and uh, enjoying the racing and yes get a little stroppy if you don't win sometimes that doesn't sound like you mate I can't imagine that yeah. so because you got did you basically get together with a bunch of lads from Swindon in one car and just start, tra- and just start doing the travelling yeah there were a couple of guys uh, Swindon um, got together with um, within we were sort of three or four years age difference so when one of them got a car um, so I was within 14 or 15 um, the three of us sort of headed off to start doing the radio race cars and some regionals starting probably in 90 92 93 sort of time oh no it'd been a bit before that 91 92 yeah yeah off racing um, when you had to get the, the form in the magazine uh, at the start of the month, quickly fill out six six entry forms, six stamped address envelopes, send them off to six different people with checks. Yeah. People don't know how easy they people and you didn't know if you got an entry until like two months later. Yeah. People don't know how easy they've got it now. Oh. Yeah. 
I used to do that and I always used to send whatever day I wrote my mum mom wrote the check on I always used to get like to put like two or three days previous on it so it looked like the entry had been sent earlier because they used to do on entry you know what I mean so it looked like it was so if, if they went on who, who, who posted first yeah that's quite crafty that was yeah, it was a it was a bit more of an issue in those days because the first radio race car was normally head of the first BRCA national. So whilst the tracks weren't the same, it was a competitive meeting to go to. So you'd the first meeting would always have the big guys at um, that would do one meeting and then wouldn't do the rest of the series. So you always struggled to get into the first one, and if you did, you wouldn't do well anyway. Yeah, you know what? I um, genuinely can't remember how I used to enter like regionals and stuff like that. That's probably because you didn't do it, Chris. Someone in the household did it for you? If you no, can't I'm remember. pretty sure I didn't just turn up. Um, I remember filling in like a paper form yeah, but uh, and writing your crystals on it as well. But if you if you raced at Dudley, Roy Curtin used to do it for for everyone, didn't he? Did you used to fill it in and give it to Roy and he passed it on to the regional? Yeah, that what I know. I said we used to do it for the Himley Hall meetings and, and if there was a national at Himley, he'd, uh, um, he'd, wow. he'd, he'd got you in for that. Oh, I never had that luxury. There weren't many from Swindon that did the travelling, so... Uh... Yeah, there were a couple of guys that had done the nationals before me, but by the time we started travelling, they weren't uh, they weren't on the scene anymore. Yeah. So yeah, fill out fill out the forms with a couple of mates, and then and off you go. So how did you end up leaving off road and going into? Because you went to touring cars before you did twelfth, didn't you? Um, or was that around the time you were working at the I, shop? I just wanted to race anything. Yeah. Uh, how on earth did I start on touring cars? I literally cannot remember. Uh, I was I started doing it right at the start of the scale saloon stuff in the mid nineties because um, it was all wide touring cars then. Old four uh, drive buggies converted. Yeah, two hundred mil was it? Two hundred mils. Yeah, they were mad machines. There, they were awesome. Uh, and then there was a, there was Tammy who did the scale stuff, but then Yokomo brought out the YR four, which was the scale size as well, um, and the BTCC I think started doing a race series for them. Uh, they started that. Uh, there weren't many to start with, like two or three heats. Um, I probably got into that because it was a bit different. I always liked different stuff. I always ended up with slightly different cars uh, during my racing. Um, and I thought, that's a bit different. I'll go and do that. Yeah. But I can't remember specifically when I started touring car. Yeah. And, and you, and you, but you ended up winning the national championship with the touring cars, didn't you? Yeah, 2003 that was, yeah. Um, I went and did them because um, the guys I was racing 12th with Said, what are you doing in the summer? I don't know, I might do some lash, some buggies. Oh, we're not going to do that. We're doing touring car. I said, oh, then I'll do that. Yeah. <laughs> bought, bought, bought a couple of motors and went along. Perfect. That's what you're saying. Go racing where your mates go. Yep. So would, what car would that have been you won that with then? I don't like to talk about that. HPR then? <laughs> no, no, it wasn't actually. It was a Schumacher Mission. I'd been sponsored oh, okay. by Schumacher I'd been sponsored oh, by Schumacher mission before first. that. Yeah, yeah but... Um, I had been sponsored by Schumacher uh, a couple of years before. I was running the Fireblade off-road in the very early noughties. Um, but by this stage, I had left them. But because I wasn't essentially doing competitive, I didn't really have a sort of sponsor as such. So I just ran with the car that I'd had the previous year, which happened to be a Schumacher mission. And what was that like as a car? You... Yeah, it was all right. There were a lot of people racing and there weren't a whole load of the competitive cars out there. Um, but there were a lot of people running, and plus it helped with the fact that two of the some of the guys I was uh, ended up pitting with uh, in the Doris International team, who was the 
that the club of people that we, we ended up traveling and pitting and uh, everything together so they they help so they sometimes look at my car and say this is what you need to do and i go yeah okay then yeah. i mean the touring cars around that time were i was still on the tc3 weren't they tc4 might have come out but probably the tc3 yeah you had the mission um you had the yokomo mr4 tc yeah it was probably was it? oh no it might have been no you're right yeah, I yes. think because Tushihara won the Worlds with it and they did the Worlds kit for it, didn't they, with the graphite? Yeah, so we won that in, what, 2 So, yeah, that would be about right. And probably the Pro 2 from HPI. Yeah, the HPI, yeah, the RS4 Pro 2 was out. Yeah. Um, I'm trying to think what I was running at the time. I was, would the X-Ray Dirty X-ray Secret? Just I think just I had an X-Ray out. T200 something. The no, just yeah, they they split from the Corali thing. That was late nineties. They did that. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, that'd be about right. You had an X-ray, Chris. So there's a dirty secret for the viewers here. <laughs> you had an X-ray. I was young yeah. and dumb, and we should all be forgiven some mistakes we make when we're younger. I only had it for six months because it was second hand, and then I bought a brand new factory team TC3. I, I did have one of the. I had one of the mini X-ray tours. They did the shorter wheelbase one. Yeah. I bought one of them to race at the local club in Chippenham, and I can remember being sat there in the pits wondering what the smell was. And I shorted my cells out. It was only four cells. I shorted oh, my cells out on the chassis, and then my foam, uh, my foam car stand melted, melted to itself to the chassis. Oh. I couldn't get them apart. I couldn't get them apart. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. I, I'd like to claim I know what Tamiya was about at the time, but I think. Was it the TRF four one four? Was it something like that? Four one four. Would have been similar. I, I, yeah, I never go into the Tamiya stuff. Yeah, like I'm that. sure. I'm sure the Tamiya enthusiasts will now bombard my inbox telling me which variant it was within which month. Yeah, that that was before spools and gear diffs and everything came out, so the cars were reasonably fun to drive. I watch them now and I, I find it quite painful. Yeah, it was just handle. It's slipper yeah. clutch in the middle. Or direct drive. Yeah, it was gear direct diff- drive. Slipper clutches weren't allowed. Yeah, gear diff in the front. Gear, uh, sorry, ball diff in the front, ball diff in the rear. And if you, you, you one setup change with the diffs was you'd occasionally put a one way in the front, wouldn't you? Yes, yeah, so if you went to um, Big Track, yeah. uh, Snetterton, what we used to put them in for because there were no slow corners at Snetterton. Yeah. That was probably about it, actually. Might go away with it at West London. Yeah. So, what's how? Because you, I put my teeth in. You you ended up working in the trades, didn't you? So you ended up working at a shop called Microtech for 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 a long long time. Yeah, there was that... a shop opened in Swindon. Swindon had had a model shop previously, but it was more flight based. Yeah. Um. So did it you... sold some car stuff, but it wasn't competition. Did you did you end up working there because of your your, your racing pedigree, or or did you just see an advert in a, in, a, in a shop sort of thing? Or oh, let, let's be quite clear: the boss had absolutely no idea who I was. <laughs> <laughs> it was not not because of my racing pedigree. I mean, he showed up at the club and became aware of who I was. Yeah. Um, but I was looking to change jobs at the time because I was working. Uh, Working for the NHS and they were messing around with contracts and stuff and it was getting real messy. Um, so at that age, when I would have been your late 20s or something, um, the chance to go and work in, you know, the, the hobby that I've been involved in for 15 years or whatever at that point, well, it was it was pretty much a no-brainer. 
he yeah. wanted someone to work in the shop and I wanted to change jobs. So um, he, he came from a racing background to start Microtech Racing. So it was sort of racing orientated. So to have someone who did the electric side, because he did a lot of nitro, uh, it made it, um, it kind of made sense. And then built the uh, built the business from there. And, yeah. And how long did you work there for? It was a long time, wasn't it? was eight years yeah. seven years eight yeah. years yeah i'd class that as a long time mate. That's <laughs> unreal so did you see much evolution while you were in the shop then did you i mean did you end up selling much race stuff towards in towards the end or was it still just mainly general model stop shop stuff oh no there was a lot of race stuff going on um the internet wasn't as big back in the day 15 years ago yeah i mean it was kind of there but there wasn't the global internet phenomena there is now so now in those days you could order from the internet but you'd kind of still keep it national maybe yeah whereas now you just look for it and it doesn't matter who's selling it you buy it from you buy from there really is the way i see it yeah um, people people were still wary about ordering from abroad um it, it did start to did start to change in the latter days of the shop so yeah you could see that difference and then obviously when you when you left there you ended up working at cml we you still work today? Yes. So yeah, that was that was that was lucky timing. Some bloke left, I came in, and yeah. uh, and they've been stuck with me since. Well, yeah. you, did you get offered the job at CML, or, or did they, did, or did you realise someone was leaving, or did you see an advert for that, or did they just phone you and go, "Hey, mate, I got, I've got an oh, idea." Oh, I, I got the nod. I got the nod. I got. A, I didn't get the nod. I got. A, I got a call from the boss, but yeah. that's because obviously I I'd gone from the shop anyway, so they I knew them. I was I was sponsored. I was a CML driver. Through the oh, shop. Oh, okay. Of course, you, yeah, yeah. So, so I had contact with them. I placed the CML orders each week anyway. Yeah. So I knew the guys there. I'd known, I'd, I'd known the, the, the people at CML since the mid '90s when I'd driven for CML originally. Yeah. So they knew I was available. Uh, they knew that someone ne- needed the job. So they said, "Do you want to come in for an interview?" They did interview some other people as well. Um, so it wasn't just a straight shoe in, but I must have blagged it enough to uh, to get the job. Or paid paid them more than the others did. Yeah, or, or offered to work for less. <laughs> <laughs> so were you still were you living in the Midlands at the time? If you were down in Swindon, why? No, I moved up and uh, and got a house. That's, yeah. that's commitment. That is, mate. I was to say that's some dedication. That is. That is commitment. Well, bear in mind this was 2010, so it was still only a sort of year, year and a bit after the credit. What was still called the credit crunch. When it all went wrong in 08 and 09 so there weren't a whole load of jobs around so i was pleased to get a job and pleased that it was in an industry that was probably going to interest me yeah so yes i took that leap however it was probably the right thing to do i think based on the situation at the time yeah and all this time you were st- and going through all of this you were still racing at the time while moving up and, and doing were you doing 10th buggy nationals then yeah, did the 10th Buggy Nationals most of the noughties and up to about 2017, I suppose. Yeah. I did them for about 10 years, yeah. 15 years. So how come, you, how come you knocked the Buggy Nationals on the head? Too much effort. As in, like, for our listeners, car set up or, or travelling or both or gluing oh, tyres? Oh, everything. Yeah. The whole load. Well, I didn't glue tyres. I didn't buy any. Yeah. Um, people started using, new, more. you know, there was... By this time, it had been quite stagnant with the age of a racer, um, it's fair to say. The average age of a race meeting yeah. had probably gone up 
um, as the the race has aged. But by the mid mid teens, twenty sort of fourteen, twenty fifteen, finally at last, you noticed some some younger blood coming in. Um, and as a result, obviously they were keener. They had the parents, and disposable incomes would become more. It corresponded with me obviously getting a house, and then therefore I had probably a bit less income than I'd had previously. And I thought, oh, the time and effort they're putting in, they're racing twice a week. I was only racing at the national or the, you know, once a week on a Sunday. And I thought I can either accept my level now that I, or I need to really, really put the effort in. It's not just a case of being able to turn up and drive. You've got to be doing a bit of practice. You've got to know your car setup. And realistically, you've got to be putting new, new tires on every once in a while. Yeah. And I decided that uh, at that stage of how long I've been racing, that I was less interested in doing that. Yeah, it was the same with the twelfth, though, wasn't it? Because you did the similar thing with the twelfth. You just said you weren't enjoying that for, for a similar sort of reason. Yeah, I did a, <laughs> I did, I did half a season. Um, I raced at a meeting in Tamworth in December. Um, I always went well at Tamworth, so I was, I was quite lucky there. I think I won on the Saturday. And was third on the Sunday. This wasn't in the modified class, bear in mind. So the big boys, the real, real top guys, are racing uh, a different class. So I was running the sport, the sportsman's class, and the, the thirteen and the half class. Uh, then showed up at the next meeting in January, and um, struggled on the Saturday just with the car. There was a setup. I even made set of changes to try and make it better, but I wasn't even getting angry that I couldn't drive it properly and the car wasn't handling. It was just, oh well. Did a couple of laps in the made the A final. Did a couple of laps. It's not working. Parked it. Okay, no problem. Uh, and then said I wouldn't be racing the next day and packed my stuff up and yeah, and that was that. Decided, yeah, I'm I've I've reached I've reached my limit on this particular class. Uh, just want to chill out and do some uh, do some more local stuff. Yeah. And that's really where you, I mean, I know you'd always done a bit of vintage, but you really, when you stopped, like, you came off the main scene, you really started pushing into the vintage stuff then, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, vintage was, um, it was just starting to burgeon. Iconic, Iconic RC, which I don't know if you've seen it, John Weston yeah. started this Iconic RC, and he runs a brilliant couple of meetings every year, and it's just great, does some articles for magazines, and really promotes it. And a lot of the funds from the meetings he does goes to charity, which is yeah. brilliant. He raises, you see, if you look at how much money he raises for charity and the effort he puts in, he, he, he is a, a true hero for for that sort of thing. Um, but it was right when that started, and I thought, well, oh, I'm not doing the 12th, I'm not doing the buggy nationals now, what should I do? Let's have a go, let's dig out some old cars and see what it was like back in the day. Yeah, because you, you, you kept quite a lot of older cars, didn't you? And obviously you bought, bought like, what can I put it, memorable cars to yourself. You, you've been buying them back through the years. Maybe yeah, not like, the actual like, car, but, you know, the same thing. Sort yeah, of thing. Like, like many people, you look at the situation in the market now and you go, oh, I wish I kept my YZ10. Yeah. Or I wish I kept my Cougar 2000 or whatever. I mean, how many people have said that? It's it's crazy. And then the prices, are, well, since lockdown, the prices went mental last year. Yeah. Um, I was just saying I wish I'd have bought a Pred. <laughs> well, yes. Yeah, you'd be lucky to get a Pred probably for under £1,000 now. I yeah, think. It's, not, it's not lucky, it's impossible. Yeah. Unless, you, unless you club somebody over the head that owns one. Yes. Yeah, they're big money, mate. Did you ever race the Predators, Keith? Was that one of I your cars? One, I did for one year. Okay, was that, um, was in, that an in, official in, drive? Or? No, no, independently. Yeah. 
Um, I was sponsored by a shop. I thought, oh, that's good. Let's, let's try one of these. Went down uh, to the shop, bought the car, opened the box. Oh, there's no tyres in it. Oh, great. And then they had they had a solid carbon shaft, centre shaft. So it wasn't like an associated TC3 or something that was floating. It was solid, and you had to araldite it in at either end to whatever it was it went into. So you, I even had to buy the araldite in the shop, and I'm thinking, oh, what am I doing here? Wasn't and it the, you had to araldite the, the centre shaft into the spur gear? Oh, uh, it wasn't into spur gear, because you, you could, I'm pretty certain you could change spur gear, but however the however the pinions were mounted at either end in the gearbox, whatever that was it mounted onto, had to be araldited onto the centre shaft, yeah. Yeah, because obviously a couple of weeks ago we had Chris Yardy who talked about this as well, and he said he tried to make up some sort of jig so that when you, you'd hold the gear in and then you'd put your araldite in and then push the, the shaft of whatever it was that had to be glued to into it. Yeah. And he was saying that it, once you'd araldited it and done that, it was actually harder than when it came out of the factory. Yeah, it was, I mean, it was a, it was a proper job, but it was modelling. It was almost like what you do with an 80s car however the bread was obviously it was it was i think it was quite a hard work car to to set up and to use but the performance was there with it so i i showed up at the first meeting which i'm pretty certain was a radio race car at a field in basingstoke probably somewhere um and richard <laughs> richard weatherly was there with some of the team kevin moore and a couple of others um and my car was the first time i'd used it and it was brilliant in round one I went out and I was great. And he, Richard Weatherly and the team, they came over and had a look at my car. I thought, this is great. I might be in here, get a team drive, everything else. Um, they did some setups and my car got steadily worse over the rest of the day. And they went off and won the day and never spoke to me again. So, oh, so, uh, so they didn't give it. So they didn't give back then, no? <laughs> didn't, give any, didn't give anything back. Didn't come to check. Oh, you, you've dropped off the pace a bit. Um, yeah, so I think I probably used it for a few more meetings. Found it far too much hard work. And... Uh, and moved on to something else. Yeah. I didn't change cars. Don't worry, it makes it sound like I changed cars a lot. Um, didn't change cars that often. Sort of one change a year yeah. maximum. Yes, I always describe the Pred as like the Alfa Romeo of the RC world. It was like <laughs> on that one day when everything worked and it was a beautiful day and it was reliable, there was nothing better. Absolutely. But most, of the day, see... most of the day you'd only finish two runs. Yeah, although obviously someone like Kevin Moore and Neil Cragg, the factory drivers, they they you know they they knew what they were doing with them, so they uh, they had the, they had that um, the benefit. But I'm not even at that stage. I wasn't going to sit down and spend half hour on a car between rounds. No. Yeah. So I mean, because you've done, you know, just just looking through my notes here, you've done, you know, you made a even recently you made a, a an e buggy national a final. Yeah. At JC Racing. Just before the year before lockdown, wasn't it? It was. Uh, I can't remember what year it was. Twenty nineteen or eighteen? Yeah yeah, 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 yeah. Great track that was. It's such a shame that the, the neighbour got in a huff about the noises on that one because our, our mate Wes, um, yeah. our colleague Wes, built a brilliant track. Um, second best I've ever raced on the original Swindon track for me is always the best. Not that anyone else will ever remember it, but. Um, yeah, it was just a brilliant track. It had, it was just built perfectly. It was tough to go fast on, but not difficult to drive. Um, yeah, so went and raced e-buggy, and yeah, it, it was great because the track kind of most tyres gripped. It was just the right sort of level. It wasn't like fully blue-grooved or oiled or fully oiled, you know, so it wore the tyres out or anything. But, um, but it had enough grip 
that it wasn't loamy and you know dust everywhere and stuff yeah, yeah that was really cool that's crazy I'm just looking at my notes here um, speaking of nationals we need to talk about the fact that you put an RC10 GT not a GT2 a GT um, fifth in the truck nationals less than two weeks ago at Ledbury I think the important thing to, the important rear thing to motored GT2 well now, it, no, the important no, thing to mention is for the people that don't know the GT the GT truck is what 50, 20 years old 93 is, 93 is best I yeah. can tell from the associated website yeah. yeah so as near as Soddle makes a difference 20, 20 years old yeah it's a nitro truck that you I think when I talked to it you said you'd made a couple of the parts yourself for it and you a bit of proper old school modelling bought a few other parts for it to make it fit and basically converted a nitro 20 year old truck with pin drive rear wheels and bearing front wheels, which nobody knows about anymore, <laughs> into a modern style truck and still put it reasonably high up in the A final at a truck national against trucks that have got 20 years of evolution. Yeah, I, I enjoy the, the challenge of racing against people who have all the full up to date and everything else. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. And, and I, I accept that other people are faster on the day but on this occasion the track the, the, the car worked pretty well it's got modern you know it's it's got modern shocks on it um but i always remember before the before the lay down trucks came out so before there was a t6 um you couldn't like get any laid down and it was rear motor and then maybe mid motor came in well rush i know that you looked at this as well yeah the gt the rc10 gt the gas truck by definition of having the nitro motor mid motor of like inboard on the car, the gearbox was mid motor lay down yeah. essentially. Um, I know that even back in the day, 20 years ago, 15 years ago, there was a company making a electric conversion, which is why I had it in my head that at some point I'd look for, I'd, I might look for one and look to do it. And then of course, when lockdown came in, like many people, I found myself searching the internet for, for projects and stuff. Um, found a, a rather battered RC10 GT because I wasn't going to spend much money on it. Probably dropped 100, 100 £110 pounds on it, I think. Um, the, mo- the motor mount, electric motor mount, was own was about £35. Pound. Um, flagged some shocks off something else uh, and then got a pretty much a battery tray and some posts. Um, drilled a couple of holes in the chassis, made a chassis brace so that it was a little bit stronger. Uh, where you're taking the engine and all the other bracing out. Um, and, uh, yeah, uh, thought I'd give it a go. And as it handles very much like a like a mid-motor truck, to be perfectly yeah. honest. So when, um, you, when you were racing it, were you worried about, not about breaking it, because, you know, we break cars all the time, but were you worried about the, um, the reliability or fragility of it compared to the modern stuff? Were you driving any different or...? I was 100% worried about breaking it. Yeah. Um, because the wishbones, whilst they're out there, they're not cheap. Um, I'd have been looking at that, I think, about something like 30 quid for a pair of front wishbones. Wow. Yeah. So I don't want to break anything, but it, it's drugs. And if, I mean, I, I, I would say, I, yes, I drove sensibly, but not particularly slowly. I don't think I'd have been much quicker 
if I'd attacked more, maybe a little bit, maybe done a little bit better in the final or something. But I want to go out and enjoy the racing. If it means the car lasts the end of the race and I enjoy driving at the pace that I've got, then then that's fine. Um, uh, the, the only real drawback the older trucks have, if you watch them and you can see it with the old buggies as well, is that when you've got lock-on, steering lock-on, and you're traveling at speed, you can see the front wheels sort of flap about a bit. Yeah. Um, you can see it on an RC10. You can really see it on an RC10T, the rear motor electric trucks. Well, this kind of does that. So it doesn't necessarily hold its line quite as well at speed. Um, but otherwise, yeah, I mean, the geometry is probably not optimized or whatever they'd say for the modern day. But it worked well enough. It worked well enough at the Ledbury track. Uh, nice big track. So plenty of space and nice wide lanes. So yeah. I also next, heard it. Next, I also yeah. heard it was one of the fastest cars down the straight as well. <laughs> well, I stuck a bit more turbo. Doesn't it, sound like you. <laughs> well, because yeah. um, I was in, the, I hadn't done the first couple of meetings, so I was in the lower heat, so I really didn't know if it was fast or not. And then I'd had a good couple of qualifying to start with, so for the fourth round, I thought, well, if I'm racing the eight, let's just stick a bit more turbo on it. And I thought, yeah, that'll do nicely. Yeah. Yeah. I can't. I'm pretty sure it was Matt Dodd, but correct me if I'm wrong. Was it Matt Dodd that you left for dead down the straight? I don't remember leaving him. To be honest, Chris, I can't remember. I've I don't know if then. it was Doddy. It might not have been Doddy. I might have been thinking somebody else. But I remember watching this Keith Robertson paint job truck come onto the straight about three or four metres behind whatever it was that was in front of him. And by the end of the Ledbury straight, he was three or four metres in front of him. No, I did pass someone on the straight, yes. To, to be fair, my, my car, it has got modern electrics in it, so it is, it is LiPo and it is brushless. Um, yeah. The, the slipper, like I, I would definitely say this, well, I would say the slipper is a bit looser than I would, probably would run it because I just want to protect the gears a little bit. But once it's rolling at top speed, obviously on a nice big long straight, because Ledbury, for those that don't know, the track I was running it at is actually a nitro track. Um, it's not too mad with regard to being big and wide. It's, it's a bit of an old school nitro track, but it is big for electric. So it does have a longer straight than we would normally run on. So I did stick a bit more turbo on and decided to leave it there because, you know, it's, uh, who doesn't want a fast car? Well, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, wait, and obviously, unfortunately, you because you, I had a few problems with the loop that day, you were robbed of having three legs. So you yes, so you unfortunately. Only... And who doesn't want three legs? Yeah. <laughs> Me. I don't want it at a national. <laughs> um, yeah, they had problems with the timing loop. So instead of four rounds and three finals, it's four rounds and one final. But again, because the track was probably much bigger than normal, you probably didn't get the carnage that you might have otherwise. So I think the results kind of worked out as to how it might have rolled out anyway. You just got a bit less running, but, you know, it's, yeah. it is what it is. And you And you finished fifth, did you? I qualified fifth. I think I qualified fifth, finished sixth. I yeah. think. Yeah. Which ain't bad for a twenty-year-old bodged together conversion truck. And a and a slightly older than that driver, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, I mean, I think me, me and you spoke about it before, Russ. And I think, I think I've even said it to you. Have you never thought of if I just really put a load of effort into this now, how far could I still go? Yeah, but I've done that. I don't. I don't want to do it again. Yeah, I, I did that for twenty. I did it for twenty years mm. in a variety of classes. Yeah, yeah. I can remember your, Tom Yard walking up to you, looking at your tyres and your car, telling you to put new tyres on. And you wouldn't, so he took tyres off his car because he was swapping them. Said, "Put these on your car." 
You remember that at one of the regionals? He's, he's done that at a national. Yeah. Bless him. He's a really good guy. He's done that at a national as well. I, rem- I remember cause... rebuilding your gear diff at, uh, at Rowley because you, you just beat me. And I was like, let's have a look at your car, Keith. And a little fella. I said, what have you got in that gear diff? And you're like, I don't know. It's been in there since I bought since I bought yeah. the car and built yeah. We went to, to Midlands Raceway once, Chris, um, and we, every now and then me and Keith used to get out on a Friday, not, you know, just for a laugh, if there was nothing on that weekend or whatever. And Keith, and Keith TQ'd the first round, and he picked his car up, and he moved the diff. He's like, what's wrong with that? And he said he had a ball diff in. He hadn't, he hadn't realised, remembered to change the ball diff from the, the previous Sunday, and he, he TQ'd the first round. So, yeah, that was, the, you know, this is, this, is, this is the master Keith Robertson, you know. You make it sound like I'm a shambles. I, I don't make it sound about... like you're a shambles. I make it sound like you, you, you if you, you really put me. the time in, you would like be rinsing, you know. Oh, I don't know. There's a lot of people out there that would that would beat me now. I mean, back in the day, I was super competitive, and some on some days, yeah, it, it worked well, and I got yeah. good results. Um, I still look at some of the effort that some people put in, and it's like, oh my god. Speaking about being super competitive, let's talk about when you came third at the Euros talk us through that how, how how good were you in the UK when you went to the Euros and I was how... awesome what can I say I was amazing <laughs> no <laughs> and very modest yeah and yeah. A humble well, I, love it <laughs> I might have been I might have been third in the Euros but I was beaten by a Brit a Brit Dave, did win obviously. that class I was in yeah. yeah no it wasn't no it was a stock it was a stock class okay Um. Uh, Chris Kurzweil TQ'd and won it but he was having it he was on a he was putting a lot of effort in. I mean, don't get me wrong, I put effort in. It was the Euros. I put some effort in for it. Yeah. Um, especially because I was still at my comp. I was still, I was maybe just about tailing off, maybe just thinking about sort of tailing off. But the, the Euros were in Britain. It was 2010. They were held at Hinkley. The BRCA always put on a really good race meet. It's organised. You know it's going to work well. Um, I was still sponsored, so still want to do well. I was still at the shop at the point, so sponsored by a distributor around by the shop doing quite well at the nationals making podiums at the nationals so yeah i'm gonna you you know home euros i'm, I'm gonna put some effort in a lot of other people running there and it was it was well supported by some top drivers and it, it was only the second year they'd run the stock class so it was a modified class and a stock class but you could race in both classes if you wanted to and some of the guys did yeah um and it was a four-day meeting three and a half day meetings it started normally they'd only been a three-day meeting but this started on a thursday afternoon so loads of loads of time I used whenever I did the Euros I used to because I only had like one set of equipment you know got me a battery a few packs of batteries and motors and I did the track and been racing in the UK you're used to non-permanent tracks so that you have to go out and learn the grip level each time when it matters when it's qualifying you'd be doing that in practice so people would be slow and I'd be doing quite well and then come qualifying they all get their act together put some better motors in and stuff and I just go backwards I actually decided I would play it differently this time. I would try and learn some stuff during qualifying, be a bit more chilled out and try a few little things, just like body shells or tyre compounds and stuff. Because the car, it would have been an R5.2, maybe 5.1 associated. Um, So the car worked pretty well anyway. Uh, And it was prima carpet. So what same as pretty much all our nationals were on. So I was pretty certain I kind of knew what we'd do. Uh, it was just a case of learning because turbo was quite new. We were, although it was a stock class, you were allowed top end turbo on it. Yeah. It was still the formative years before they made everything blinky. Um, and sort of just 
learning a few little things like that and working my way through qualifying. Um, and I was pretty much on my own. I qualified fifth and I was pretty much on my own. The top four, they were gone. They'd all been Euro podiums before. And there was Andy Moore and Chris Kurzweil and Mark Fisher and Marcus Mobers. So all top Euro guys. And then there was a bit of a gap to me. And then there was a little bit of a gap to some of the others. And I thought, oh, OK, um, let's just see what I can do. <laughs> and then I got lucky in the second leg in that oh, two, two of the people crashed out and I I kept it going. So I got a second. I think I had a fifth and then a second. So I found myself in the rather bizarre position, an unexpected position of going in the third leg of actually having a chance of winning the race meeting. I'd have had to win the, the leg. Yeah. Um, and as it happens, I trailed around in midfield and finished fifth because the other four guys were quicker. Um, but because I'd had a good second leg, it gave me it gave me third overall. So I'm I'm quite I'm quite proud of that result to be to be honest. So Go, going into that, did you think you were at a chance of top five or top ten, or you know, did you think I, oh, I've got a chance here going in? Or I was stock was my better class. So whilst I wouldn't say I was reasonably certain, I would say maybe sixty forty that I was going to make the A. Yeah, and then if it goes well then I'd do better than that. If it doesn't go as well, then I probably won't make the A, but, but so be it. Um, and as it happened, I just got on with the track and obviously got the, hit, hit a good spot on the on the, the tyres and shell, body shell and stuff that I decided to use for my setup and uh, got the speedo settings sorted. And whilst I didn't have the... But, I mean, I didn't have the skill to run with, uh, you know, Andy Moore and Mark Fisher and that lot. Basically, they, they were just better drivers. Um, but I was more than happy to be kind of best of the rest yeah definitely so uh, was your world's campaign before or after that because you did a, you went to a world in america as well didn't you with the 12 cars <laughs> yeah i we've spoken about this before um, i'm not, not going to throw you under the bush this time mate 2003 yeah um in florida so there's the brits racing on a freezing cold winter weekend in some sports or somewhere with no heating uh, our normal nationals on um, a temporary built track with no grip. And then we decided we're going to race at the Worlds in Florida in uh, early October on what was essentially a gas nitro um, on-road car- tarmac track outdoors. So, you know, what, what could possibly go wrong? <laughs> so n- nobody knew what tyres to have. Nobody had a clue what to do. Um, so we went for a holiday basically there was a bunch of us staying in a local motel I had a couple of cars and we went off and did all the other stuff stayed next extra week went and did you know we did Daytona um, we did like, a bunch of other stuff oh Cheesecake Factory oh it was great uh, <laughs> just absolutely cracking again if people want to go hopefully if things become a little bit more normal again literally get some people you're mates with and go and have a racing weekend and add a couple of days on it's just great fun. Yeah, I want to go to America. I'd like to race there as well, but I definitely want to go to America. Yeah, see, so, that was the worst. Although it was, it was 2003, I can remember we were talking about the battery duration earlier. The, the pros, you had to you had to sign your... could be in America, these are slightly weird timing system. Uh, and you had to sign your cars in before you started. And nowadays, you do a couple of practice laps. In those days, your pit man switched your car on, carried it across the loop, and then walked back with it to the start line. <laughs> Because otherwise, otherwise you might not finish the race. Oh, of course, yeah. Because you couldn't do no warm ups or anything like back then, could you? 
Yeah, you, well, you wouldn't have made. Yeah, you wouldn't have made it. Yeah. That was all. That was brushed and probably four twos, I guess, three sevens maybe. Yeah, three, maybe three sevens. So what was it like running on a big outdoor tarmac track then with a twelfth car compared to like carpages of UK? Quite boring. Yeah, no, was it? Uh, didn't, didn't like gear it up massively and loads of high oh, speed. Yeah. Or you, you, you did gear it up, yes. Um, but again, we we were kind of just learning. We we didn't really have a clue. It was a case of yeah, go along and, and see what we can do. It was it was a late decision to go and race and there was no effort to particularly be that competitive. You didn't want to go along, you know, you want to go along and have a good race meeting. You know? So yeah. I had a couple of new battery packs and you bought new tires for it and obviously you had a nice new shell done. Um but other than that, oh you know, the, the guys are little circle and plus a bunch of the Brits that went over we were never going to you know tear up the track or anything so it was a case of go and race in America meet a load of other people see what we can do not not throwing a whole bunch of money at it but uh, but putting some effort in see what you see what see where you get yeah, yeah. and so and, and nowadays you obviously you still do you know um, like you do the regionals two wheel drive and four wheel drive locally and stuff but you're, you're big into the vintage scene. Um, any, any opportunity to run the vintage cars, like at Dudley through the winter series, you'll you'll take I don't know three cars and run a different car every heat um, in, oh. in the four wheel drive, and like at Kitty as well on, on um, Kitty Mitch at the summer series, you'll run different cars per heat as well. Yeah, there's there's a, there's more people doing it now, which is great. Um, there didn't used to be so many people doing it. I missed the Dudley winter series because. They ran a vintage two-wheel drive class and a vintage four-wheel drive class, so I could race two vintage classes in a day. Yeah. Um, but I've got I've got a few different vintage cars from ones that I've had down the years, some slightly eclectic stuff, and uh, just want to run something a bit different and just take it an RC10 World's Riri out and running that. So sometimes I dig out the car show. Just got the car show Triumph up and running, um, and I had one back in the day. One of the few people in the UK who did. Um, and I loved it. I think I was probably the only person that loved it in the UK. <laughs> um, I had to get one of them. And it, I, I've got it now, and it's great fun. I've got a brushed, brushed uh, motor in it um, and a brushed speedo. Uh, and it's just, it makes a weird noise down the straight, and everyone listens and goes, what on earth is wrong with that car? I go, no, it's just got a brushed motor in it. Um, and it's cracking. Great fun. Because you've recently, through the, I say it was just, just, just coming out of lockdown, wasn't it? You ended up getting a... A fireblade wasn't that the car you beat Matt Dodd with at the, the radio race? Ah, uh, yes. I won- wondered if you'd mention this. Yeah. Um, and, ho- and hopefully you'll hear it. I I do tend to mention it pretty much every time I see him. Well, that's why I wanted to bring um, it to the masses for. Yeah. <laughs> the f- the fireblade was Schumacher car in the early noughties wasn't very much loved. Um, it was their last tour to competition tour drive for quite a while, I think. Uh, they sort of knocked it on the head a bit after that. I think I might be, might be wrong on that. Um, and yet I. I, I kind of got on with it all right. Um, and Matt was racing a Lucy Triple X at the time. And it was basically me and him battling for the Radio Race Car Championship. Uh, and I beat him with it, with what is considered a, these days, um, an inferior car. But it, it, I, I clicked with it at the time. So I didn't consider it inferior at the time. And people, which Barton made a Euros eight a Euros podium with it, so you know in in conditions at times it, it was a great it was a good car. But we just were, didn't have the all round that the, the, the Losi did. Were you as good as friends with Matt Dodd when you beat him with that car as you are now, sort of thing? Or, no, I didn't. Or was you I like didn't know him. To you? I didn't know him. Yeah. So it almost makes it better now. I can just rub it in whenever I see him. <laughs> 
Yeah, because because to- when we were talking to Chris and Tom last week, they were talking about the the Midwest tent. Um, when, when in normal times it's like you know eight people pitting in it, and you're part of that little crew, aren't you? Yeah, it's great. I mean, you see it with a whole bunch of you know a whole bunch of people sort of around the pit area. People gather with with their mates, and um, you know, twenty years ago, you just meant you had to park together as you put it out of the boot of your car and got your table out, and if it rained, you got an umbrella out. Yeah. But of course, these days, you go to a race meeting, and lots of people put up gazebos, and people, of course, will congregate yeah. uh, in a gazebo. So you get these little pockets of more people pitting together, which to me creates a, probably a better atmosphere. Um, you're still out in the open, uh, but you're pitting with people, so you get more chance to, if you're into the steps and stuff, bounce ideas off people and stuff. Um, but just to commu- you know, communicate, and, and if someone comes over and has a chat, socially distancing, of course, um, there's more people there for you to like have a, have a, it's easier to chat with more people. Yeah. So yeah, it, it just makes it better. So the, yeah, the Midwest is who they sort of adopted me when I moved up here. Uh, probably felt I'm pretty certain they felt sorry for me at a race meeting when I was putting out the boot of my car and it started raining. Yeah. Um, so they, none of them had an issue with them inviting me in and trying to find space to put up another table. Um, and honestly, it's just been a, a great crack with them ever since. So, you know, when you say you go to the race meeting and you're like pitching with your mates, and all them times I've said to you at Kiddy, do you want to come in my tent? You're like, no, you're all right. That means he's not your mate. Well, I was just, obviously I know this, Chris, but I'm just asking him that's, directly. That's not my words, Chris. Honestly, as if I would say... But look at it look at it this way though, Russ. If there was the option of putting with you or Chris, I would choose you. <laughs> so so how did you become a CML team driver, Keith? Uh oh, initially, because I've I joined them and then shock horror I left at some point. Um Join. Uh, I was sponsored by a shop down south uh, in Chippenham uh, called Sawyer's Models um, in the mid 90s, and CML decided to have a promotion with the. Can't remember which car came first. It was either the Yokomo YZ10 or the Losi Pro SE. It must have been the Losi Pro SE. Uh, maybe 93, 94. Um, there weren't many people running it, so. Um, there was a bit of a push to get some out regionally uh, and I ended up getting a deal through Sawyer's with assistance from CML. So ended up driving that. I uh, really liked that car. Um, it was it was a really nice car to drive. I just got on with it, drive it smoothly. Yeah. With the hyd- when the Hydra Drive first came out, I think uh, it was really cool. So, so um, you, you basically got your CML drive because it's true pace, yeah? Um, yes. So, well, <laughs> yes. So, how did, how did you get your drive then, Chris? You what, mate? How did you get your drive then, Chris? Uh, offer to spend more money. <laughs> Tick the box. Has he got a credit card? Unless, Tick is and, in. <laughs> and right there are two <laughs> very viable ways to get support these days. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, uh, I was, I was up and up and coming. I suppose would be the class. I wasn't winning a lot of stuff, but. I was young, I was committed, clearly committed to it. So, you know, and the shop already supported me. So I suppose um, it, it just kind of made sense for, for all those, yeah, for, for those three things. I wasn't, it wasn't, I wouldn't say I did on pace. There were people, a lot of people, even locally, that were quicker than me at that time. But but maybe they saw a bit of, I liked, I hope, saw a bit of potential and uh, mm. 
and and maybe maybe make I was sponsorship worthy. You know, I wasn't effing injecting at the track, and I was, you know, representing. You know, representing. You were yeah. nice back then. Back then, I might have been. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So I like to think like mine was just enduring loyalty wore them down. <laughs> enduring it's definitely loyalty. Definitely not because anyone likes you. <laughs> yeah. No, I've never even pretended that it would be key. Okay, so I mean, we're just coming up to well, we're coming up towards the hour now, Key. So we'll, obviously, we're going to look at thanking you for time for your time tonight. But we've got to ask you the famous questions that we ask everyone. Um, now, this might be a bit tricky for you, due, bearing in mind how many cars you've actually got. Um, but out of all the years you've been racing, um, which car, whether you've got it or not, is your favourite car that you've ever had? And if you were going to go to the track tomorrow, you could throw any of them on any track tomorrow. Which car would you be going to the track with tomorrow? What's your favourite all-time car? I'm going, to give, I'm going to give an on-road and an off-road answer. That's fine. You can have, you can have more than one car as well if you want. But. I can have... Oh, well, all of them then. Um, <laughs> it would... The L4, associated RC12 L4, was just so easy to drive, so long-lasting, just just brilliant. And that that gave me my good results, best results probably. And anybody could have picked a car up and done well with it. Um, it was just everything to everybody i think so kept a lot got a lot of people in you know running in the class which i think was great because you knew that you could just buy the car didn't you anything else you just go to track and it'd be there it'd be it's a world championship winning car yeah uh buggies is a toughie from cars that i've had and that i've raced um the original centro was i, I will quote tom yardy when i say this it's like cheating First, I'd never driven a mid-motor car before, and I when I took it out and I took it out to the national, and it was just at national at Kidderminster, it was just incredible. Um, I didn't make the A, but it was just so much better than anything else I'd driven. Um, it was just a step up. I know there were other mid-motor cars, so the Centro was the one that I ended up driving, so that's the one for me that was the revelation for mid-motor. Yeah. Um, but I would probably pick the well, Akasha Triumph. Because I'm surprised at how well it goes now that there's a lot of speed in the car. I can't believe how good that one that I've just got. I just It's just because a smile on my face. And I would also love to race a Marui Ninja. Yeah. Have you still got one? Yeah, say it again, a Marui Ninja. Have you still got one? <laughs> I, 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 I was lucky enough to source one a couple of years ago. Uh, it was the second car I ever had, six months after I'd started racing. Replaced the wild one, um, and it had shaft drive like a Tamiya, um, but it had the motor long di- uh, the motor the battery longitudinally, yeah. and it just handled so well. It was quite slow, of course, still had a 540 in it. Problem was, it chewed up um, diff gears, so you kind of had to put a new set of diff gears in every every meeting. And for someone in their early teens, that's a lot of work. Yeah. Um, so it so it didn't last very long, but it handled really well. And I chose it because it was something different. And you know, probably shouldn't have. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But it look, hey, hey, it looked cool. It so it looks so cool. Yeah, it certainly does. And... I was going to say, I've just not knowing what it was. I've just, uh, I've just googled it, and it has got a pretty funky look to it, hasn't it? It's, uh, it's certainly, yeah, well, a, certainly a pretty car. Yeah, cab forward, futuristic shell. There were a lot of Japanese companies did that. Um, Hirobo and things ran a lot of sort of futuristic looking shells in the mid the mid eighties. I, I I like them. I think they look cool. I like the um I mean I don't know, I'm assuming you could paint the shells to your own designs 
Yeah, it was, it was the same as everything else. Clear, clear legs and shells, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But, I mean, the one I've just pulled up, because it had red shocks, didn't it? Like, it red did, plastic yeah. red, shocks. Red plastic shocks, yeah. And they've got, like, the black... I think it was... It's actually the box art one with the, the black body shell and the red, like, triangles, and it looks like the A-team van. <laughs> yeah, the, the red trim, the red trim is stickers. Yeah. Um, so that's not painted on. So, you, so stickers on, just paint the shell all black. And yeah, it, it looks cool. And it you does. too can be BA Baracus. <laughs> all right. And what was your favourite track? You always mentioned earlier one of the tracks we were talking about was your second favourite track ever. So what's your favourite yeah. track you've ever raced on? That that was the original Swindon track where I raced, where I used to shovel the snow off it. Yeah. Um, it was really compact. Um, Two thirds of it was permanent design because um, you had little sort of mud mud mounds essentially, uh, little uh, that separated the lanes as it were, um, and then a few little bits where you put a wooden boards at different angles to create different corners. Uh, it's what I, what I learned to drive on, and I just think it had it had a mix of fast and slow corners, um, and was just fun to drive. But obviously, there's some rose tinted spectacles there. Yeah. Perfect. Uh, have you got any last questions, Chris, before we let Keith go? Um, only only another truck-related question. Sorry to bore everybody with trucks, but I've just been flicking through uh, a few of the Facebooks looking for bits and pieces uh, that we need to mention. Um, are you booking in for the Kiddie Series with your GTE? We'll call it a GTE, because that name didn't exist, so we'll go with that. Yeah. Uh, probably not, because I would run vintage there. At the Truck Nationals. Oh, sorry. Oh, for the Truck National. Yes, yeah. for the Kiddie Summer Series, I will be doing vintage when I can. But yes, I am entered for the Kidderminster Truck National with my GTE. So there you go. If you were, if you've got nothing to do on the dates of the Kiddie Summer Series, grab your vintage out and see if you two can beat Keith Robertson. I'll try and beat you, Keith. Do you remember at Dudley when I when you crashed and I and I got in the lead um, for like two laps and then you just traced me down and drove off? Bizarrely, Russ. No, I don't remember yeah, that. I remember it like it was yesterday. I don't think like, it was like I the time. Think it, ever, it was like the time I, I beat Tony Bishop. Yeah, really, I just remember it. it was just like, oh. yeah, yeah. And the time you beat Craig Drescher and the time you beat Masami, probably. I'd, no, I never beat. I've never, <laughs> I've, never, I've never beaten Craig unless it was with a stick or Masami. You're just making it up now. Yeah, just making yeah. it up for us. Yeah, cheers, man. Right, I, can remember, okay. I can remember my my biggest regional heartache, heartbreak, should I say, was down to Keith. Oh. I'd qualified my highest ever position. I'd gone C1 at Coventry in two-wheel drive. There was absolutely nothing better. The car was feeling amazing. I was on a proper high. I was running around, bouncing around like a dog with two what's it and then I look who's behind me on the grid and it says Keith Robertson and I was like oh for god's sake I'm, I'm so, reasonably certain the only reason I went out that day in the final because it hadn't been the best of days was to annoy not, me was because someone said you've got to go and beat Chris yeah. I thought well I hope I can do that I haven't got a whole lot of pace today um, but you know if, if someone else is willing me to do it then I'll give it a go did yeah. you beat him well, Keith I did yeah. <laughs> we drove. We literally drove away from the rest of the field, with Keith following me, probably no more than a metre for the entirety of the four minutes thirty seconds of the beginning of the race, and then with thirty seconds to go, he overtakes me into a hairpin and sods off. 
<laughs> just to show truly how much you were sandbagging. I can remember how heartbroken you were that day, Chris, and it feels me never wanted to throw anybody off a rostrum so much in my life, Keith. <laughs> oh, should have been there to see but, that. But, but in your defence, you took it. It was good humoured. There was no throwing any toys out of pram, and you enjoyed it for what it was. And for that, I applaud you. Yeah, to be fair, it was. If I'm being honest, mate, it actually it taught me quite a lot that day. It was the, you know, if you can keep calm and not give Keith uh, an opportunity for four and a half minutes, then you haven't done too bad, and you don't necessarily need to be the fastest thing on two wheels to win a race. If you can go out and have some wheel-to-wheel racing, and people are enjoying what you're doing in this hobby that we have, whichever class you race, wherever you do it, even if you just go bashing, what you need to do in it just enjoy the hobby yeah, yeah, so. yeah. perfect alright and key so before we go do you want to say thank you to anyone friends family sponsors no not particularly ok <laughs> no one at all oh sorry B- sorry big thanks to all my sponsors yeah. um, obviously CML Distribution Team Associated make the most fantastic cars uh, powered by Reedy and Centro which are just brilliant epic mate thank you I'll see you, I'll see you in the morning <laughs> uh, yeah can't wait <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, guys. Enjoyed no, it. Cheers, Keith. Bye. Bye. And he's gone. How about that? The ever-supportive Keith Robertson, and he didn't call me a ginger prick. What a well, nice man. He didn't abuse me half as much as I thought he was going to, so... No, 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 no. I got away with it. Yeah, you did. You did. I, I was thinking about something, doing something really horrible to you, like setting him up like you set me up with Ashley Patterson that one time. <laughs> oh, so right. funny. But I thought, nah, I'm, I'm above that, you know. You're above that, I'm yeah. Above stuff like that, yeah. yeah. So, all right then. Uh, let's talk about us. You know, let's let's go really self-indulgent for ten minutes. How did you go at the Zoom series last weekend? It's mended. Um, yeah, it was all right. Uh, you know, I mean, Martin had done a great job on the track, and the guys that did that. So we got to get that out of the way first. You know, they'd really put the effort in. And pictures you know, did track, look good. Was it grippy? Track was. Um, on the. On the Saturday with the two-wheel drive, not really. I ran the dry car in the final, but that was a gamble. Was it wet? Was it wet races and so on? Yeah, it was. It was wet. It just it absolutely torrential. But I mean, I'm no expert on many, but it seemed to dry really quick. A bit like Telford does. Yeah, yeah. Bit of sun, bit of coastal breeze, bang. Um, it just gets greasy, and the grease lasts a bit longer. So, you know, like at Telford, it rains, it goes dry, it gets greasy. Next round, it's gone. Yeah. Well, it didn't. It was like you had two rounds of greasiness. Um, but, you know, it was all right. Qualified, I think I qualified fifth in the D. No, I didn't. Qualified eighth in the D, sorry. And, um, you know, finished fifth in the D. So was it, no offence, was it, how, many, how many heats was that? Was it, was it as busy as the other meetings or was it um, as low? Or? I can't remember. I think I was about middle of the pack. Yeah. Okay. I was the right side of the A. Yeah, yeah. So, sweet. Um, wasn't driving particularly amazing. Like, you know, I've had I've had better runs. Dri- I've drove I've driven better. Well, you never um, drive particularly amazing anyway, Chris. You know what I mean? To be well, honest. to be fair, mate, the last meetings we've done, I've drove particularly more amazing than you because you haven't even been in the same final as me in the last. Well, I know, three. but we ain't talking about me. We're talking about you. This is your time to well, shine, mate. This is our no. This is our time. I like to share <laughs> the stage with you. You know. So, G-F-Y. you know. 
Okay, sorry, yeah, carry on. I'm, I'm, I'm cutting in. So, yeah, so who, who, did yeah. You, who, who did you beat of notable stature in the D final? Um, I don't, I can't remember to be honest. If I'm in a hundred percent honest, I can't. Um, I was, it was about the average. I was with the average people I'm normally with. Yeah. You know. Okay. Um. And obviously, Gemma smashed it out the park for the win as well. Yeah, yeah, Gemma drove really well all day actually. Yeah. Um, you know. As as the as the music video I edited and put together and put on the Facebook page, he's yeah. the best. Got pulled for copyright on that, mate, for the music. So it's just like yeah, a I know, blank but, video now. No, it wasn't because it it said, "Can you up? Can you uh, can you upload a reason why you think this music should stay?" And I entered because Jemo's a hero. Sent it off and it got accepted. <laughs> Brilliant. So there you go. Not yeah. only did Gemmo um, beat everybody else to the two-wheel drive uh, win at Mendip, he also beat the European Copyright Authority. <laughs> Class. Class. So, All right. So yeah. you so you D final Saturday. Um, yeah. You have, you have a good night Saturday night. You get the fire pit out. You have a barbecue. Oh, mate. Yes. Yeah, just you know, standard team IE yeah. sort of stuff. Um, you know, we had. It was good. It was nice. Uh, I'd got my missus' little lad with me, so we we took that and the I managed to get a load of Nerf guns really cheap. So I chucked all those in the back of the van and all the, give them all the kids and they went and had a game of Nerf and they yeah. shot each other. Um, and then they all demanded to shoot Neil Saunders. That's fair. Yeah, so uh, even I grabbed a gun for that bit. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. Okay, now about Sunday, how do you go in the four-wheel drive? Was it dry Sunday? Um bit damp in the morning still a bit greasy um car felt nice uh what did i do what main changes did i do really it was just playing with tires if i'm honest uh i was running i tried the mezzos and darts combo on the four-wheel drive in run two and i didn't really enjoy it so i thought well what can i do and i glued up a set of darts for the rear and left the same darts on the front, and it was just still that little bit aggressive on the front. Yeah. So I acquired a set of the new Fusion 2 tyres, put them on, felt really nice, you know, car felt good, um, but the grip just came up, and it just didn't matter what I did. I just couldn't get, get my head in the game, uh, really, with a four-wheel drive. I just I just struggled all day. What, what crashes, or just not fast enough? Uh stupid little mistakes yeah uh, you know when when i had some runs i was putting in some nice you know my, my fastest lap times in qualifying were matching the people the final ahead of me yeah but i just couldn't do it every lap i don't know what it was whether it was just well i do know what it was and if i'm honest it's because i just genuinely don't spend enough time with a four-wheel drive yeah you know I run it at Zoom because I have to run it on a Sunday. I run it at a regional because I have to run it at a regional. I've got, I've really got to start making a, a conscious choice to run it. It's just too easy to run the B6. It's like Keith said about the Centro. It's cheating. Yeah, they work. They work no matter what you do, don't they? Yeah, it's just cheating. It's an yeah. easy day's racing. So I have really got to start to put the effort into making a conscious choice to, you know, on like Telford Club days on a Saturday and stuff. Yeah. To booking with the four-wheel drive and just say, no, you're not going to switch halfway through and go and cry off to Tony and say, Tony, you put me in two-wheel drive. Yeah, so I've got to stick it out. I've just got to get used to driving. The pace is obviously there in the car. 
and when it is flying, man, it's flying. Yeah. But sometimes the meat sack behind the sticks lets it down. Yeah. But I still a D final, yeah. qualified fifth, finished sixth. Nice. So you're still using my receiver, my, my receiver battery pack. Yeah, I had to charge it up this week. Yeah, no. Yeah, can you yeah. get me some more of them? They were not. They're nice. Yeah, I need that. I'll, pack. I'll, I'll obviously compensate you for it. <laughs> yeah. They make the transmitter really light. I know. Wait, yeah. stick with me, kid. I'll, I'll show you the world, mate. It's not too bad. And even though it's a little bat, little receiver pack like that, you don't have to charge it up every two and a half minutes. No, 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 no. And I'll tell you what I did buy, and I've, I've because I, I love you that much. Um, you know, it's one of those little red connectors. It's not like a full. It's a JST, yeah. Yeah, it's a JST connector. Yeah. I bought some female JSTs. Nice. So you can have one of them and solder it to a, a couple of bullets, so you can charge it without and make yourself a little adapter. Oh, bless you, bless you. See, yeah. I'm just lovely enough. Yeah, you're top man, top man. So you're racing yeah. this weekend? Um, no, I'm not. Weekend. Um, off. I'm having yeah, yeah, I'm having a very rare weekend off. It's my yeah. uh, my other half's birthday, so oh. I figured I was probably better to not go racing. Yeah. Under the thumb, I already. You only been with you only been with her five minutes. This is already starting from getting racing, mate. I mean, nah, I'm using her birthday as an excuse. She's just <laughs> unreal. Well, I cried it. Well, it was actually a birthday this Sunday, but because it was a big meeting, <laughs> I I was yeah. like, oh, this is they have been pre-planned and to be honest it's a two-wheel drive region at Oswestry yeah so it's yeah, I'm not going to Oswestry either to be honest no so, uh, yeah um, for myself we I didn't excuse me I need to cough sorry listeners <coughs> we um, we didn't go racing this weekend we went testing or practicing on Friday morning at Kidderminster had a good couple of hours down there uh, it was really good really good yeah. really good yeah done some laps loads of laps rinsed off some tyres um, to the point where we'd killed these tyres I was thinking about gluing new tyres up at half past ten and Bruce is like nah this, my car's alright my car's alright and then Phil Hitchman turned up with Rupert and they were running their trucks round so we ended up just messing about with them and did a, did a bit of marshalling with them and stuff and watched their trucks going round so yeah it was good it was a good morning nice little morning yeah and then um, I'm not going to the I'm not going to be bothering with Oswestry this weekend for the regional. So me and Bruce are going to have a ride up to Southport and take the battle back to Aidenburg. Now I've actually been to that track before. Yeah. So Aiden, if you're listening, watch out. I'm coming and I'm bringing my best warriors. Well, you're not because I'm not there. Well, yeah, whatever. Um, so yeah, so I'm going to go up there and I'm going to have a good go and drive around and try not to crash and hopefully they'll leave that bumpy back section out under the trees that I struggle with they're so not much. they're not going to do that for know, you mate yeah, I know. you've got more chance of eating a bowl of soup with a fork well you know if that's the only way they can beat me mate that's, that's, that's fine with me you know if that's, <laughs> yeah. if that's what it takes <laughs> yeah. so yes I'm looking forward to going up to Southport and that's going to be good uh, my mate Callum's coming up as well from 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 Oop North and I might message Gemma actually see if he wants to have a ride down um, to continue with his, do. his dominance so I've done the, a bit the dominator. Yeah, I've been done a bit of work on my RC ten, the X Belston RC ten. I've because it deserves it, I've treated it to a, a really black box speedo and a and a nice antennaless samba receiver. Oh nice. Oh, yeah. I did see the picture you put up the other day. And I'm not normally one to get jealous when I see cars unless it's a factory team T C three or a pred. But I yeah. did get a little bit jealous because it's looking proper 
proper blacked out factory again yeah, there. Yeah, I'll tell you what, Chris, I've also done it in such a way that the positive wire is that short that there's no way in hell it can go to the to the negative. So I haven't even, I'm not even running the little, little bit of red heat drink on the black wire. Oh. So factory. I mean, tell you what, Freddie will be looking no, at his car you, going, you know what you need. you know what you need for to be super factory? What? Have you seen them little one-up racing black aluminium for the yeah. negative side? Usually, that you yeah. can put over the format. You need some of those, mate. Then it'll look. Yeah, yeah so that's good. So I've got a really, that's I've it. got, I've got a really ten and a half Sonic coming for it, and I've seen. Oh. I found this place in Canada. You know, I'm always moaning about how much money I spend on toy carpets. I found yeah. this place in Canada, and they do. Um, you know, like the old really brushed motors. And yeah, they had, the, they had the stick around them. Well, they found a place in Canada that makes these stickers. And what you do is you put this sticker, like a green reedy sticker, on your brush, brushless motor. So it kind of gives it a look of a brushed motor. So um, I've ordered one. Four dollars. <laughs> so, yeah, it's, it's going to look really cool. Well, at least you won't get stung for import with that. Well, yeah, that's what I was thinking, yeah. I had to stop myself because they had loads of stuff on there. I was like, oh, I'll have one of them. Or I could have one of them. And I'm just, no. Just the four dollars will do. So yes, yeah, so I'm looking forward to getting that up and running again. Uh, do I want to? I might try and do the last summer series with it because the like we were talking with Vince, uh, to, to Vince, the vintage earlier with Keith. You know the summer series at Kitty. There's you know there's like two good heats. You know and the, and the two wheel drive is a full heat of you know decent races. So yeah. I'll, you know I'd like to just get out with them and get mid pack. You know. You gonna go and try and beat Keith? No, I never beat Keith, mate. I never beat Keith. Um, unless unless Paul Lister takes him off, I might have a chance of getting getting a head start then. But other than that, because <laughs> <laughs> it happens all the time. So so yes, yeah, so all it. his vintage. I never pointed out, did I, that I am the current uh, Brett Davis iconic meeting lineal two wheel drive nineteen ninety seven champion. Yeah, is that, yeah, but did, yeah, but did you get that because Keith was racing in France for me? No, I, I had to beat Lissy for that. Yeah, yeah, I had to beat Lissy for that. Uh, Paul Lister. We should get him on, you know. Paul Lister. Yeah, right. He'd be yeah, quite he's... good to talk about the old days, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's been yeah. around. He's been around. He's done it all. Done DJ. He's got a Westfield. We'll have plenty what? to talk about. You'll have loads to talk about. I can just sit here. In silence like you normally do. You know. so, see what I mean? <laughs> I'll just sit here and do nothing while you talk about Westfields again. Yeah. Because yeah. I know nothing about them. Okay. All right then, mate. So you're at um, Liverpool partying this weekend. I'm at Southport taking the battle to Aiden Burke and the rest yeah. of the, the the crew up there. Have you got anything else you want to talk about? Are we done? Um, I think I am actually. Yeah. I don't think there's. I don't think there's anything that. No. Oh, I suppose we should we should mention. Did you see the the announcement of Muzz for Schumacher? For the Zoom series at Hurt Hearts, I, I, I hurt. I always it Hurts as well. I do yeah. indeed. I did indeed. They're, they're allowing cactus tyres. Now I didn't yeah, know that they did a silver cactus. Did you, you know that? Well, apparently they do. Yeah, and I knew they'd done a blue because we ran around Midlands for a couple of weeks. Yeah, see what they I've were like. Heard, I've heard that they might actually. Somebody's told me and said that they might actually be pretty good at Hearts track, but Muzz has said because of the cost of people keep having to carry in tyres and stuff they he did say on his Facebook post that the Schumacher team would make sure that there was a good enough supply of silver cactus with the Schumacher staff yeah and then 
if they needed to be purchased, I believe the intention is to sell them through the model shops that are on site. So the model shops will be able to purchase them off Schumacher on site and then sell them on to the, the competitors. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. So I think that's what we had to mention, yeah. just because. No problem. And Muzz, if you listen, when's this new vintage car coming, mate? Come on. Time's ticking on. I need something to, yeah. I need something to build. I need something to build. I might finish the top cap. You never know. You might prime me to finish the top cap before I buy another vintage Schumacher car. So, anyway, at that, mate, we've done a nice 15 minutes there, so we, so we look at knocking it on the head. Why not? Do you want to thank the sponsors, mate? Yeah, so uh, a big thank you to CML Distribution for the uh, the great stuff you guys do for us all and all the great products you save and the, the support you give the show. And a big thank you to Schumacher Racing in the UK again for putting on a great series this year and all the good products and stuff that you also make supply and distribute perfecto I'll thank the listeners guys thank you very much for getting involved with our car crash of a podcast every week we really do uh, like you love your support thank you for the messages you're always sending in the group if you've got any anyone you want us to interview give us a shout drop us a message you know especially Chris and his personal Facebook page because he loves that uh, and we'll do our best to get them on for you we've actually got a guest coming up in the next couple of weeks that one of you people have asked for so that should be a good one um, hopefully we're going proper old school next week with a um, with a, a race that's been around since racing began but we'll see hopefully it'll, it'll all come together for us um, you never know it might not be it might be um, Dave from down the local club but we'll find out we'll find out um, so that's it don't forget to like and share this episode don't forget to like and share the Extra Lap podcast go and have a listen to them if you like us you'll love them you know they've had some good guests on recently you know so go and have a listen to Aidan and, and Martin and, and, and see what you think of them um, you'll find them on the same place you find us on the on the on, on your podcast just type in Extra Lap RC podcast and hey presto there you go um, so that's it don't forget to like and share this like and share all the podcasts just for us just for me just for Aiden just for Chris you know like and share this one and you're going to get a raffle ticket for the Christmas draw what's not to like um, and when we start compiling the list um, towards the end of November every like and share gets into the Christmas draw it's as simple as that so if you share it 50 times this year you'll get 50 tickets for the Christmas draw so I really do feel like I'm going on there so good luck at Liverpool the weekend mate I hope you have a great time and I will catch you next week you too but I'll see you later Bye.